0: So last week, Don Earhart uh, taught us from the first part of Mark chapter 4. And this week we're going to be in the second uh, half of Mark chapter 4. So if you want to go ahead and uh, turn to Mark 4. Um, now, so the first part that, that Don taught us last week is, is the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower. It's, it's talking about the seed of the gospel. And the farmer goes out and he scatters the seed. And it lands on four different types of soil. And that talks about how different people uh, receive The gospel message. And so whenever I hear the parable of the soils, I I, I think of my uncle Bill. Uh, My uncle's a farmer over in Illinois, just an hour or so from here. And there was one year that Bill had a problem. And the problem was that uh, it it, it was time to plant soybeans, but it was really rainy. There had been so much rain that season. He knew there's no way he could get all of his equipment in the field and out of the field and not get things stuck. He's like, it's just going to be a mess. So, he's, so there were a lot of farmers in, in the area that said, well, I guess, do we just skip soybeans this year? Do we, how, how do we work this out? So Bill had an idea, and he called the local crop duster and said, hey, I have a wild idea for you. And, he, and, he, and he, he said, okay, I'm listening. And he said, I I want you to get your plane, and I want to give you my soybeans, and I want you to plant my field. And the guy said, that's a first. Okay, let's go for it. So they did. So, so he gave him his beans, and the guy just made several passes across the fields and kind of dropped the, the beans out over the field. And it was so cool, because it was a real-life, like, literal picture of the parable of the soils. Of most, of the, most of the soybean seed fell in the field, and some of it fell on the road, and some of it fell in the ditch, and some of it was choked out by thorns. And it was exactly what Jesus was talking about. And I, re- I didn't get to go over there and see, like, the actual crop duster doing its thing, but it was neat to go over there uh shortly afterwards and when things were starting to grow and just kind of see, yeah, this is exactly kind of what that um, what the parable of the sower is talking about so Don taught, just taught us last week about that and how the how different people respond to the gospel differently, and the passage for this week there 's four little short parables that Jesus tells that are kind of an, a, a part two of the parable of the soil. So they explain what what Jesus says. In uh, verse twenty of chapter four, he says this. He says, and "This is as he's explaining the parable of the soils to the disciples." So, in Mark chapter four, verse twenty, he says, "Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop—thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown." So, what we're going to look at this morning is like an is like an explanation of so what does good soil do? How? What happens when somebody hears the word, they accept it, they understand it, they apply it to their life, and it starts producing a crop? What does that look like? That's, the, that's what these parables are going to be talking about. Um, so we're going to start in verse 21, um, but let's pray before we jump in. God, thanks so much for your love for us. Thank you for your word. And thanks for the chance we have to live for you and serve you. I pray that as we look into your word this morning, that you would challenge us, you'd teach us Not just facts that we can shove in our head to say we know more, but that you would teach us things that we can apply to our lives so that we can follow you more faithfully. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so in Mark chapter 4 verse 21, this is the first of 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 the four short parables. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And again, Jesus keeps using that phrase of, hey, if you have ears, listen up. And he doesn't, doesn't just mean physical ears, like, hey, if there's ears on the side of your head, listen. He's saying, if you have spiritual ears, if, if you get what I'm saying, fo- pay attention to this, focus. This is important. And he talks about a lamp, um, it's just a simple, everyday lamp. Um, we have a picture of what a lamp, would have, just a little simple clay lamp with, with a single wick. That, and he, what he's saying, it's complete common sense. Would you get a lamp and you bring it out to the house because you need light and then put it under a bowl or shove it under the bed? Of course not. You're going to bring it and you're going to put it on a stand because the purpose of a lamp is to give light to people in the house, Right? I mean, how many of you last night when it got dark, you turned, you turned on you know, a lamp in your living room and then, you got like, and then you covered it up with something so you couldn't see the light? That's, that's not what we do. It's, he's saying the purpose of a lamp is to give light to people. So, and, and again, remember, as he's talking about what do faithful hearers do? How, how does the gospel spread? It starts when if you've received the light of the gospel, this is not rocket science, you share it. You talk about it. You live it out. Um, In the same way that, you know, the whole little kid song of this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Same idea. I'm not going to sing it for you. Because I care about you and I don't want to hurt your ears. Um, It's funny, in junior high every now and then, if— when uh, Basically, when if, if, during senior high camp, if a lot of high school kids who normally lead to worship are gone, um, I'll play guitar, and kids are shocked that oh, Steve, plays, please, Steve plays guitar. Not well, but I do. And I tell them, and they ask, are you going to sing too? I'm like, no, because I don't want you to run out of the room. So that would be bad. So it's, it's the same idea as a song. of it's, If you receive the light of the gospel, you talk about it. You share it. You live it out. And it's in words and deeds. So as we, as we strive to be faithful hearers, it's sharing the, sharing the word by witnessing and talking to people, but it's also living it out with our actions. Uh, an, an example of this, just last month, there was a group of about 80 of us that went down to Ironton, Missouri uh, for a week-long mission trip. We did a day camp down there for the kids. It was just 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. That they, there was a VBS program, so they had a lesson, they had worship, they had crafts. We, there was a big water slide, and there's canoes, and there's all kinds of good camp stuff that they did. And they heard the gospel every day. And one of the things that happened in free time, we had, we had a snow cone machine going. And one of my daughters uh, was serving snow cones, and she was just talking with one of the campers. And, and they said, you guys are just all so nice. I think of, like, I've never met a nicer group of people. And it was interesting is what this kid was seeing wasn't that, oh, our goal is to go down there and make them think that we're nice. But what they were seeing was the way that you guys interact with each other is different. There's something different about the way that you treat each other, about the way— I mean, at camp, things, things are hot, things sometimes are difficult, there's problems that come up. And what he's seeing is there's something different about the way that you guys live. And I think that was a, such a cool example for, for, my, for my daughter to see that, okay, we've been talking about Jesus all week, and now this kid sees something different in our lives. And I think that's all Jesus is talking about here. Of If you want to be good soil, if you want to be one of those people that, that, that God uses to produce a crop, the first step is just saying, since I've received the light of the gospel, I'm going to talk about it. The next one in verse 24, he, Jesus continues, he says, consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Anybody confused? <laughs> With the measure you have, it will be measured to What? So here's what's going on. Let's talk about idioms for a second. You guys know what an idiom is where you take two different words that have meaning on their own and put them together and it kind of makes something different? So an example, couch. Okay, so picture the couch at home. Get that in your head? And then potato. You know what a potato looks like. And if you take couch and potato and put them together, don't you get something different? It's, it's, it's something that it's kind of a couch but kind of a potato. But it's also something that neither one was before. Um, or another example, you know, I, I have four daughters. And if I were to say, one of my girls is just driving me up a wall. Do I really mean that I'm somehow vertically on a wall and she's in a car and we're, no. I mean, she's frustrating me. Another example was um, a couple weeks ago, I was in the car going somewhere and my, my six-year-old daughter, my youngest was, in, was in, in, the, in the back seat and she was just hyper emotional that day and with four girls. Let me tell you the emotion, oh boy. Um, but so she was hyper, I, I can't remember what she was crying about, but she was, it was like just one thing after another, she was crying and whining and, and I said, Caitlin, you can't just cry at the drop of a hat. And she says, but dad, I don't even have a hat. Like, oh, and then so we're driving, and I have to like turn around, and she's sobbing, and I have to like stop and explain that didn't mean that you had. It's like it's, it's like trying to explain a joke. It just somehow it doesn't work. So, but culture has another huge huge impact on the language we use and what we say. So, an example. Let's say that it is just pouring rain. It's raining really hard. What's a phrase that here in the U.S. we? What's a way that we would describe that? Raining cats and dogs. Yes. So in the U.S. we'd say it's raining cats and dogs. But did you know that if you travel to other countries, they don't say that. If you were in Ireland, for example, and it was raining really hard, they would say it's throwing cobbler's knives. Can you imagine if, you didn't, if I hadn't done the favor of telling you that, and you went to Ireland, and you're, and you're in the hotel or whatever, and somebody comes in and says, man, it's just it is throwing cobbler's knives. Well, I don't, where? I don't want to, I, I'm not going outside if there's knives flying back. I don't, I don't want to do that. Or my favorite is in South Africa. Instead of this, they say, it's raining old women with clubs. <laughs> and just the word picture of like grandmas falling out of the sky with giant clubs waiting to hit people. It's like, well, I don't know. I'd, I think I'll stay inside. I don't, I'd prefer to not go out. But it's just different how um, in different cultures, how, we, how language works. And this is what's going on here. It's a Jewish idiom. So when Jesus says this, everybody who, who heard him was like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But he put a twist on it that we'll get to in a second. But so he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to, use, to you. What it means is, essentially, you reap what you sow. You're going to get out of something what you put into something. Now, um, it's a makes perfect sense. I mean, to use the the analogy of farming, since we're talking about that in in the passage, imagine a farmer who goes out um, to his field, and he takes his seed, and he scatters it just on the corner of a field, and then he waits, and somehow he expects that the whole field is going to be full of a crop when it's time to harvest. You'd say, dude, you're nuts. That's not how it works. You can't just—and that's what he's talking about. It's, it's what you put into something has an impact on what you get out of something. Or another one, to go back to our little couch potato example. Imagine that you spent a couple months on the couch, and you ate junk food, and you watched TV, and you just, I mean, you just, you were, you didn't exercise, you just, you, the only time you got up off the couch was to go to the fridge to get more food, and you just, you're just there. And then, after two months, you get up, and you go buy a gym membership, and you spend, like, 30 seconds on the treadmill and you do like five crunches and you walk over to those full-length mirrors they have and you're like and you're expecting to see the body of a professional athlete and you're like oh that's not it's the same that you you get out of something what you put into something so it's a it's a similar idea and and how it connects is this Jesus is saying you're called, with the whole example of the lamp. you are called to, to witness and to share the gospel. And you need to work at it diligently, so you need to put a lot into it. Um, this Jewish phrase was, was about being generous to other people. And about like, you know, you're, you're going to get out of relationships what you put into them. So be generous. Give freely. So what he's saying is, you're called to share the gospel. You're called, you have, you're called to share it in word and deed. Do it generously. Pour your heart and your soul into it as you serve God. But he throws in this little and even more, so it 's like he says, "Be generous, and it 's going to come back to you, and i 'm going to help you even more than what and I mean, how many times have you 've been involved in ministry? have you seen this where you are it doesn 't matter if' it's, if it 's in kid connection or junior high or senior high or adult ministry or it's a, if it 's a missions um, project, whatever it is and you say, "Man, I just poured my blood, sweat, and tears into this, I have prayed for this, I have given my, I have given it my all, and you see God." Bring results and, and, and bring blessings in, a way that you, in, in ways that you never even imagined he would do. And it's something that—it's like he's saying, share the gospel, give it all you've got, and I'm going to help you along the way. So faithful here is we live with passion and purpose. We're called to share the gospel and do it with passion and purpose and do it diligently and generously and give it everything we've got. So if we keep going in verse 26— he is he also said this is what the kingdom of god is like a man scatters seed on the ground night and day whether he sleeps or gets up the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how all by itself the soil produces grain first the stalk then the head then the full kernel in the head as soon as the grain is ripe he puts it to the sickle because the harvest has come now, i lo- i love this passage because the farmer doesn't understand what's going on now, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but it makes me feel a little, a little bit better reading this. It's like, yeah, because sometimes I feel like, God, I have no idea what you're up to. I have no idea what you're doing. And, and that's what's going on in the passage. So the farmer, he scatters the seed, and he's like, it doesn't matter if, I, if I'm awake. It doesn't matter if I'm sleeping. The seed still grows. I have a reality check for you. Ultimately, the effectiveness of your ministry efforts is not up to you. Your job is to be faithful, to use your gifts as well as possible, and to point people to Jesus. The results are up to God. You see that in the parable. The guy, the guy spread the seed, and then God's the one that causes growth. So your job in ministry is to use your gifts to spread the seed and to trust God for growth. So you can relax. It's not your job to try to convince anybody to follow Jesus. You know why? The Holy Spirit is more than capable of doing that. Our job is to point people to Jesus and trust God for the results. And in the same way that the farmer doesn't have the, the power to, like, force that seed to sprout. I mean, can you imagine how funny that would be? You're like a, a farmer, you walk, you know, driving through the country, and the farmer's bent over his field, and he's just, it looks like he's trying to use the force on his, fi- on his field. He's like, I'm just going to keep trying and trying and he can't make that seed sprout. He doesn't have the power to do that. And in the same way, you and I don't have the power to give anyone spiritual life. That's God's job. And this should be freeing. This shouldn't be, oh, Steve, you're telling me all the things I can't do. No, no, no. I'm telling you, this is what our job is, and this is what God's job is. So, but, And what our job is, it says in verse 28, it says, all by, the, all by itself, here's what the soil does. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it. How does the farmer know when the grain is ready for harvest? Doesn't he have, you have to stay close to it? You have to pay attention to it? If you, under, if you look at that, the farmer has to recognize the stages of growth. It talks about there's the stalk and then the head and then the seed. So... In our relationships with with people, as we're sharing the gospel, as we're doing it diligently and creatively, and as we say, God, we know you're going to bring results, we have to stay close to the people that we're sharing the gospel with. We have to be in relationship with them. We have to, like, understand how they ask questions and and just as they take steps towards Jesus so that when they say, I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus, that's where we get to say, okay, great, let's have that conversation, and and we help them make those decisions. So our job is to scatter the seed, to trust God for results, and when they're ready, that's when we step in and that's when we say, okay, great, God, I'm, I'm, ready, to be, I'm ready to be involved here. But we stay close to Him in the process, and we have that relationship. But the whole time we understand, okay, parents, it is not your job to produce spiritual life in the life of your kids. Now, do we want it to happen? Absolutely. So as a dad, do I want my four, my four daughters to follow Jesus? With all my heart, yes. But can I force that to happen? No. And, and many of you have been there where you say, man, my kid is just not making choices that honor the Lord, and I want them to do that so badly. And we can, we can pray for them, we can encourage them, we can talk to them, we can put them in relationships and situations and give them resources to help them move that, move that direction. But ultimately, God is the one that, that brings spiritual life. So in youth ministry, my job is not to produce spiritual life in, in, junior, high, in junior high kids. But my, what, what my job is, is to create programs and events and environments that, and give kids opportunities and experiences that they can understand the word and take, ste- and take steps towards Jesus and, and recruit leaders um, who... Are who love Jesus and like kids and, and want to be part of discipleship and kind of create this environment. Does that make sense? You now, involved in, when you're involved in ministry, that should take a lot of pressure off. Because can you imagine if it doesn't? You know, if if you go out to Kid Connection, you say oh, I'm going to serve. And if you walked into serving in Kid Connection with the, with the understanding that my job is to make sure that these kids follow Jesus, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. But if you go in there and say, my job is to use my gifts and the way that God has wired me and I'm going to talk about Jesus and point these kids to Jesus and try to show them Jesus as much as I possibly can and help them make choices to follow Jesus. That's totally different. That's fun. That's exciting. And when we understand what our job is and what God's job is, the way that we serve and the way that we share our faith is totally different. It's, it's a lot more fun um, when we understand that what God's job is. But churches mess this up all the time. You know why? We love to count. We like to count attendance. We like to count um, how many cars in the parking lot. We like to count how many babies are in the nursery. How many, vol- how many people have volunteered to hold those babies in the nursery? How many people have volunteered as, ushered, as, as ushers? How many people are serving? We like to count the offering. We like to, we go through and we count all those things. And now counting is not bad. Um, I'm enough of a geek. I appreciate a, a well-put-together Excel spreadsheet. So I, I, I get that. Counting can be a good thing. But the thing is this. Counting can never completely tell the story of what God is doing. And when we, t- when we start um, trying to, like, to fully assess what God is doing based on counting and the results that we see, um, we're in dangerous territory. Because God doesn't always work in ways that that line up with calculators or Excel spreadsheets. Um, Don't don't try to take responsibility for God's work. It's way above our pay grade. So so our job is to serve and pour ourselves into it and trust God for the results. So faithful hearers trust God for growth. We serve, we pour ourselves into it, but we trust God um, for the growth. In verse 30, we pick up with the parable of the mustard seed again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch on its shade. Now mustard seed is really small, usually one to two millimeters. Um, This thing is very, very small, but when it when it grows, as Jesus said, it becomes one of the largest of all the garden plants. It can grow to be a tree of about 15 feet if it's in the right. When you think about it, just the size standpoint from a one to two millimeter thing, it grows to be a tree of 15 feet. The other thing is sometimes if, it, if it's not alone like that, um, what'll happen is it'll, in, in a garden setting, it just spreads and takes over. So we have a picture of kind of a mustard plant that just kind of starts reproducing itself. And it's just incredible how it, how it grows. And even some of the Jewish rabbis said, don't plant a mustard seed in your garden because it's going to take over everything. Um, and just the picture of that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's something that starts small and it grows and it just takes over everything. I love that picture. But the thing is, to, for Jesus' original hearers, this would have been a little bit strange. Because the mustard seed is a, was a relatively common um, analogy that was used for something that starts small and grows big. But the thing is, in, in the first century, the Jews were under the oppression of the Romans. Um, and in a lot of Jewish writing, there was the, the idea that the Messiah was going to come, and to use another analogy, he's going to throw off, you know, they're, they're, they're under the, the boot of the, of the Romans, and he's going to throw off that oppression and... Um, we're going to be free, and it's going to, the kingdom of God is going to be here, and it's going to be amazing. And the, the, picture, the word picture they used for that was the cedars of Lebanon. They were cedars that are from Lebanon, so they called them conveniently the cedars of Lebanon. And think like redwoods. or these are, huge, these are huge trees, and the idea was that the whole world would just stand and marvel at the kingdom of God, and it's going to be amazing. And here Jesus comes along and says, the kingdom of God is like a shrub that you plant in your garden. And I'm sure the people are people like, wait, Jesus, no, I think you misspoke. I think you meant to say the cedar of Lebanon. It's going to be, like, no, it's going to be like a mustard seed. It's going to be like a bush that's in your garden. Um, and, I, and I'm sure that was a little confusing. But the thing is, the thing, there's something about a garden plant. It's every day. It's at your house. As opposed to, like, a, like a big tree that you're going to go there. And I'm going to look, I don't know about you, but the way that I feel like I need God to work in my life. Is the everyday at home normal stuff? It's I need transformation in the everyday stuff of my life. The way that I interact with my kids and my wife and my neighbors and my mailman. The way that I interact with people as I go to work and my attitudes. It's the every isn't it the everyday heart stuff that that's where we need transformation the most? I mean, any of us can like pretend like everything's together and go to a big, you know, and, and, and go to the show. Oh, we don't. We probably don't want to start talking about pretending that everything's okay and coming someplace, do we? <laughs> Whoops. But as we, because th- it's easy to pretend like everything is fine, but it's totally different to say, God, I need transformation in the everyday stuff of my life. And I think it's. I think the bush is so much better because he's saying. That's where the kingdom of God grows. It's the everyday, it's the, it starts like, like a mustard seed, but it grows and it transforms our lives every day and it takes over everything. That's an awesome picture of the kingdom of God. So because of that, we can live confidently knowing that that's what's happening, that we have the potential, that we have the hope of that mustard seed. So faithful hearers can live for God confidently. So today we've heard from Lauren Crosley and her story about um, serving God. And uh, we've heard from Giles about what, what his, what he and his family are doing in Spain. And my, my encouragement to each of you would be, if you're considering, if you are serving somewhere, or if you're considering serving somewhere, whether it is in Spain, or whether it is in Kid Connection, or any other ministry in this church, is exactly what Jesus walked, walked us through in this passage of, if we've received the light of the gospel share it. Share it creatively. Share it faithfully. Share it passionately. Do it diligently. And trust God for the results, knowing that something that started as small as a mustard seed grows and expands and takes over and transforms the everyday stuff of life. That's good news. Because the seed of the gospel is spreading. It's it's the reality that each of us was created for a relationship with God. But our sin separates us from God. God. So you and I make sinful choices, and that, and that gets in the way of our relationship with God. And sin can't be repaid by good deeds. It's not something that, that, that God's going to say, you know what, I know that they're a sinner, but they are so nice, and they help people out. Of, they, they help you know, little old ladies carry their, grocery, their, their groceries to their car at their grocery store, and they hold the door open for people. So I'll just ignore the fact that there is, it doesn't work that way. So so paying the price for sin, Jesus came. God himself became in flesh. And Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and paid the penalty for sin, which is death. Scripture is clear that the end result of sin is death. And he paid the penalty for you and for me. So that when we believe in Jesus, we can have eternal life that starts now and never ends. And that message is what's spreading. And God is in the business of redeeming the world. And we get to be a part of it. So, the message from the lamp and the measure is that we need to share the gospel and do it faithfully and diligently and trust God for the results, is the message of the, of the growing seed. And the mustard seed parable says, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to take over everything and it's going to decide, it's going to start small and it's going to grow and it's going to transform the everyday stuff of life. And I pray that each of us, like Giles said, not like we're saying, oh, I'm always good seed, but I pray that each of us would strive to be that good seed, that we hear the word. We understand it, we apply it to our lives, and we trust God for the results as we serve him with joy. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for your love for us. Thank you for calling us into a relationship with you and thank you that we can, just that we get to be a part of what you're doing. Whether it's downstairs in Kid Connection or in Spain or wherever it is that you take us, thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing in the world, of seeing people put their faith and their trust in you. God, I pray that you would speak to each of us and you'd challenge us. If there's an area that you're calling us to serve, if there's, an area, if there's a relationship that you're calling us to pursue, if there's an area that you want us to be more involved um, in building your kingdom and, and in serving you, that you would uh, you'd speak clearly to us about that and uh, that you'd help us to have receptive hearts that we would respond to you. In your name we pray, amen.